We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. I've entitled this this morning, Field Fiasco, and you'll understand as we get there. But I want to read this illustration as we begin today. <clears throat> Their tongues were cut off, but there was no spilled blood. No signs of struggle, no footprints or tire tracks were found. Investigators were stumped. Who is going on a murderous rampage of cows in Texas? And how are, are there no clues surrounding their deaths? It seemed a scene straight out of the secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, if you're familiar with that reality TV show on the History Channel about the Utah ranch that's supposedly the site of unexplained supernatural phenomenon. Across three Texas counties within the span of a few weeks, seven cattle were found dead under the same suspicious circumstances, lying on one side with the mutilated part of their face exposed minus a tongue. The cow killing spree happened in Madison, Brazos, and Robertson counties, all located in east-central Texas. Each cow was from a different pasture and herd. The sheriff quotes, a straight clean cut with apparent precision had been made to remove the hide around the cow's mouth on one side, leaving the meat under the removed hide untouched, the Madison County Sheriff's Office said. On two of the five cows, a circular cut was made removing the anus and the external genitalia. The circular cut was made with the same precision as the cuts noted around the jaw lines of each cow. Ranchers reported no predators or birds had scavenged the remains, a common theme in, in similar killings. The official cause of most of the cows' deaths is still unknown, but the freakish events have sparked memories of a long-held conspiracy theory about the mysterious deaths of livestock animals dating back to at least the 1970s in the U.S. that lays the blame at the feet or tentacles of aliens and UFOs. Now, before I go on, Judy just shared with me yesterday about the aliens that they found in Portugal, what? Peru, and found out that they were paper mache with bones on the inside, right? Yeah, like they were dolls, so they weren't aliens. Just so you're aware. <clears throat> so let's continue with this illustration. Back then... Scores of animal mutilations across at least seven U.S. states triggered a bout of speculation that outer space visitors were attacking and sampling earthly animals. They must know a good steak, right? Others thought it was all part of a ritualistic killing. In 1979, the FBI launched a formal investigation into similar killings sweeping New Mexico. But the appropriately named Operation Animal Mutilation concluded that the mysterious deaths of livestock animals killed in similar fashion to those seen recently in Texas were a result of natural predation. The Robertson County Sheriff's Office said a post-mortem exam returned on Monday showed that the cause of death for one cow was pneumonia. That, you know, anyhow, but like the FBI's investigation, the report did not explain the reasons for the animal's injuries. The Madison County Sheriff's Office said multiple similar incidents have been reported across the United States and we are actively coordinating with other agencies to find answers. Other ranchers in the area are fearful their bovines could be butchered next. Mark Enlow of Enlow Ranch lives in Madison County along the same stretch of highway where the cows in his town were attacked. He called the recent string of cow murders concerning. <laughs> right? And I quote, I have cattle right in the same vicinity of where these killings have taken place within a couple of miles, 
I'm sure trying to keep an eye out, watching and making trips up and down the road several times during the day and night just to check and see if anything strange is going on. Enloe said his neighbor was taking more precautions by putting up cameras around his cows in case he's targeted next. And Enloe's friend, Steve Cole, who just happens to be Madison County's Justice of the Peace, has even more reason to worry. One of his cows was found dead of unnatural causes mere days ago. Although his cow was not mutilated, he's not confident these incidents aren't related. Roughly 15 minutes down the road is the B&B Cattle Company. On a phone call with its owner, Brad Barrett, a low moo can be heard in the background. <laughs> At least he had one that was still alive. We always take precautions to make sure the cattle stay safe, but not anything more than normal. We have plenty of dogs. If something's awry, oh, I'm definitely no if I've got my dogs, he said. The sheriff's office in all three counties did not respond to a guardian request for comment. A $5,000 reward is being offered by the Animal Legal Defense Fund for any information that leads to the arrest and conviction of the person or people who may be responsible for the deaths of these cows. Interesting stuff, right? <clears throat> like, what's going on? Why are they doing this? How are they doing it? Amazing stuff. Well, quite a few years ago, our neighbor man called us to let us know that one of our chickens was lying dead in his yard actually in his driveway. And so before we were able to get outside and retrieve the dead chicken, the perpetrator returned and ate the chicken. All there was left was feathers. It was another neighbor's dog that had gotten loose. When we finally got outside, we could tell that the dog had been running circles around our chicken pen. You could see the worn grass. And then the dog eventually made a hole in the chicken wire and caught one of our chickens, killed it, and deposited it in the neighbor's yard. And we have, we've had other chickens die of natural causes, um, and they always die way back in the, in the chicken run, so I've got to crawl in there. But <laughs> For all of the years that we've had our garden right down there, just to be on the pavilion, we've never had any issues with wildlife raiding it and eating up the plants. Never. That all changed this past growing season. The year before, we had a bumper crop of red beets. We like red beets a lot. And we were looking forward to another prosperous year. Unfortunately, some deer decided to venture into our garden for the first time, and they ate all the baby red beet plants. Just sheared them right off. We didn't get any red beets this year at all. And we knew that it was deer because we could see their hoof prints in the soft soil. Those turkeys, well, deer. How many of us have experienced some kind of damage, either to our pets, our farm animals, or plants? And it's frustrating and concerning when it happens, right? Because we're like we're looking forward to uh, ha having the benefits of all of that stuff. So while ranchers in Texas have not figured out the cause of death and the mutilation of their cows, Pharaoh and the Egyptians were warned a day ahead of the coming destruction of the livestock in their fields. The Lord was warning them of the consequences of refusing to obey his commands to let his people go. It would be costly for them. And the same is true for us. What the author wants us to understand today is our big idea, and that's refusing to obey God's commands is costly. And so as you just uh, reflect on that uh, big idea today, would you just bow your heads with me as we commit this message to the Lord in prayer? Lord, I just come today in humility as a cracked and chipped vessel that's weak. I need your strength through the Holy Spirit to share your message with your people today. 
I pray, too, that your Holy Spirit would just open hearts and minds of each person here. That, Lord God, you would guide and direct in their hearts the message that you need them to hear and the application that you need them to make. Lord, help us to be obedient to your commands instead of refusing to obey them. We just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Exodus chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 1 to 4, which is the command. We see the command here. So let's look at those and uh, read those verses together today. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses and donkeys and camels, and on your cattle and sheep and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. So we see here this command. This is the fifth time that the Lord instructed Moses to go to Pharaoh with his message. How was Moses feeling at this point? We don't know. We can speculate, though. We're not told how he's feeling about doing the same thing over and over again with the same negative results. I think that they call that insanity, right? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, thinking that you'll get different results. But What we do know is that Moses obeyed and continued to obey another five times. I think that's pretty, pretty cool. How many of us have stopped after being rejected just one time? God's told us to go and do something, and we get rejected once, and we go, that's it, I'm done, I'm never doing that again. And is there a difficult conflict that God is asking you to face repeatedly? Are you ready to throw in the towel? But I want to encourage you to not give up, especially when you know what God is calling you to do, and what it is, is the right thing. Moses realized that persistence is rewarded. That's not always easy to see when you're in the middle of a conflict or difficulty, is it? To be persistent, that will be rewarded. Resolve today to keep being obedient no matter how long it takes. That's what I want to encourage you to do, especially at the beginning of the year. We always make resolutions, don't we? So I want you to resolve today to keep being obedient no matter how long it takes. You see, because God is faithful. Paul reminded Timothy of this truth when he was encouraging him, or when he encouraged him to remain faithful. We see that in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Aren't you grateful for that? That God is faithful even when we are not. When we're faithless, he remains faithful. And so maybe you're ready to take this first next step today you find in the back of your communication card, and that's to keep being obedient to what God is asking me to do no matter how long it takes. Don't throw in the towel today. Don't become discouraged because you know that the thing that God's asking you to do is the right thing. That's what makes all the difference. That's why we don't have to worry about throwing in the towel because we know that we're doing what God is asking us to do. We know that it's right and that it's good.
So Moses faithfully shared the Lord's message with Pharaoh a fifth time, and he was going to do it five more times. We see the message here then, the, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews. Now the phrase, the God of the Hebrews, has not been used since Moses' first encounter with Pharaoh. During the plague of flies, the Lord made a distinction between his people and Pharaoh's people. And now the Lord is uh, um, he's expressing that there are two groups in Egypt, and he's identifying with the Hebrews. And so, um, they are his people, the Hebrews, that is. So that's why he's like the God of the Hebrews. He's making this distinction because he's, he's going to make a distinction in, in this plague that's about to come. So again, he says to them, let my people go. This has been the recurring command from the Lord. It hasn't changed. The reason the Lord is, uh, is commanding their release is so that they can worship him. There's an important reason why. And then he goes on and he says, but if you refuse, the Lord used the same phrase during the second plague of frogs and a similar phrase with the plague of flies. And we will see this phrase again with the plague of locusts. He says, if you refuse. The Lord adds a phrase in this message um, that is not found in any of the other confrontations when he says, continue to hold them back. This is the only time he uses that phrase in, in the plagues. And this phrase indicates that Pharaoh is restraining the Israelites from being where God wants them to be. He says, if you keep holding them back and not let them go where I want them to be, God is ready for the Israelites to return to the promised land. That's why this whole thing is taking place. That's why he sent Moses and Aaron uh, to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh is holding them back from accomplishing God's plan and purpose for them. God will not allow anyone or anything to get in the way of his plan or purpose. In God's sovereignty, he has five more plagues for Pharaoh and his people to experience before he will release the Israelites. And we've seen it throughout the different plagues um, that he said, the reason I'm allowing this to happen is so that they, they, meaning the Egyptians, will know that I am God. He wants them to know that all the other gods that they're worshiping, uh, for, for the Nile and for the soil and for all this other stuff, that they are no gods at all. That they're weak and powerless. And so the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague. The magicians recognized the plague of gnats as the finger of God, but with this fifth plague, we see that they were going to experience God's whole hand. Not just the finger of God, this is the whole hand of God is going to come upon them. Any horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, and goats that were in the field would die from the plague. Stewart in his commentary says, domesticated animals were treasured as enormously valuable assets in Bible times. So bulls, cows, and rams were also part of the Egyptian cult worship. The Lord was once again targeting the Egyptian gods. Some animals were considered sacred, like the bull. Apis was the bull god of Memphis. You see a picture of what that god looked like. The ram of Amun was another one. And ends in his commentary says, Hathor, the mother and sky goddess, was depicted as a cow. Here is a, a head, head like a cow. And then Menevis is the sacred bull worshipped at Heliopolis. So you see, they had all these gods that were like animals, right? 
And so Hamilton says all of God's creation, human and non-human, are liable to be caught up in the disastrous consequences of one malevolent human being. The ripple effect of one's stubbornness and stupidity can be massive. And so our first principle today is this. Refusing to obey God's commands is costly. It's also our big idea, by the way. Have you experienced that in your own life? Has your stubbornness and stupidity caused disastrous consequences for you and your family, friends and coworkers? Have you been on the receiving end of a family member, friend or coworker who has been stubborn and stupid? Your stubbornness and stupidity may not have cost others their livestock, but it may have cost them their health as they've worried about you. It may have cost them their savings as they've, as they've tried to help you. It may have caused, uh, cost them their sleep as they've stayed awake praying for you. Maybe even their own job or other relationships. And so are you ready to take this next step today? And that's first to repent of my stubbornness and stupidity and seek forgiveness from those I have hurt. That's important. I hope that you may take that uh, step today. And so we also see here that he talks about in the field. This seems to be significant, that it would only be the livestock in the field. We're going to see animals being affected by the boils in the sixth plague, livestock being killed with hail in the seventh plague, and the death of the firstborn livestock in the tenth plague. So it seems as though it's not all of these uh, livestock. <clears throat> The information uh, that it is only the livestock that is out in the open that's going to be affected uh, afforded those Egyptian, Egyptians who took the warning seriously the opportunity to bring even more animals undercover than would ordinarily be kept there. This may uh, go some way towards explaining the presence of animals affected by subsequent plagues. And we see that in, in one of the commentaries. So the plague would affect the Egyptian livestock in the field, but would not affect the Israelites' livestock at all. This distinction was foretold. Just as the Lord had done with the flies, he made a distinction between his people and Pharaoh's people. And this distinction did two things here. It exposed the impotence or powerlessness of the Egyptian deities that were represented by these animals. And second, it was a nationwide humiliation of the Egyptian people. It was only affecting them. And so our second principle is this today, and that's God is able to be precise in his punishment. He's able to protect certain people and things while allowing devastation and destruction to destroy others. We see God's omnipotence and sovereignty through this. He's like, I'm going to make this distinction, and he can. And we see his power. In August of 2023, there were a series of wildfires that swept across the island of Maui in Hawaii. They were devastating and destructive. In the midst of that destruction, there was an historic church that was untouched. You see it circled in red there this morning. It was the Maria Lanakula Catholic Church. It was spared. Everything around it was destroyed by fire, but not that church. Can God be precise? Through his sovereignty and his omnipotence, he sure can. On March 5th of 2019, it was reported that a fire broke out at the Freedom Ministries Church in Daniels, West Virginia. 
there was, an extensive, there was extensive damage to the building, but the fire department wrote, not a single Bible was burned and not a single cross was harmed. There's a picture of some of the Bibles that were not burned. We may not always understand why these kind of, kinds of things happen, but we can trust in the power and sovereignty of God. Corson says this, it's hard, hard enough to go through difficulty, but doubly hard when it seems like others aren't. Can you, can you connect with that statement today? Boy, it's hard when others are going through difficult, or when I'm going through difficult times, but it's even harder when I notice that no one else seems to be. How many of us just can relate to that statement? Maybe you're going through a difficult situation right now and you're frustrated because family, friends, and neighbors, co-workers seem to be doing just fine. They appear to be thriving and flourishing while you are floundering. But God is sovereign and he's in control of your situation. He knows all about it. Perhaps there is something specific he's trying to teach you that he's not trying to teach your family, friends, neighbors, or co-workers. It's better if we do self-reflection than, you know, reflecting on other people. He's allowing you to experience difficulty so that you will recognize that He is God, that He's the Lord of your life. He's able to be precise in His discipline so we will pay attention to what He's trying to accomplish in our lives. So don't look at everybody else. Start focusing on yourself. Start doing some self-reflection and say, God, what are you trying to teach me in the middle of this difficulty? I need to know. He wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from you. He wants us to be transformed into the likeness of His Son, Jesus. That's what sanctification is, becoming more like Jesus each day. So maybe you're ready. Um, well, God loves us and wants what is best for us, and sometimes that requires us to experience precise punishment. And so maybe you're ready to take the second next step today, and that's to embrace God's precise discipline so he can accomplish his plan in my life. Now, perhaps you're not experiencing the Lord's precise discipline in your life right now, so praise the Lord. Make, time, make, make sure you're doing that too. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not under any precise discipline right now. But you might know someone who is going through something. And so our third next step today is to just pray for and put that person's name in there as they're experiencing. You know what they're going through. So be praying for them. Lift them up to the Lord. Help them, pray that they'll understand what God's trying to teach them so that they can get through that difficulty. You see, because when we refuse to obey God's commands, it can be very costly. God's message to Pharaoh was clear. He wanted his people released, and if Pharaoh refused, the Egyptians' livestock in the fields would die, but the Israelites' livestock would be spared. And after sharing the Lord's message with Pharaoh, Moses then shared the Lord's timing. Now we see this in the last uh, verses 5 to 7. This is what I call consummation. So we see the command, and then we see the consummation here. Look at those verses with me if you would. The Lord set a time and said, Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. And the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh sent men to investigate and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. Yet his heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. So we see this consummation. The Lord gave the Egyptians a day to prepare. Boy, if... I think if I knew ahead of time what was coming, I think, hopefully, 
hopefully I'd be like, okay, I need to, I need to act. If they were smart, they would remove their livestock from the fields. Kyle and Dillich in their commentary say, a definite time was also fixed for the coming of the plague, as in the case of the previous one, in chapter 8, verse 23. In order that, whereas um, murains, I had to look that word up because I didn't even know what it meant. It's a big word for an infectious disease affecting cattle or other animals. So there you go. So whereas this infectious disease that affected cattle and other animals occasionally occur in Egypt, Pharaoh might discern in this one the judgment of Jehovah. So they weren't going to be able to go, oh, well, this, yeah, this is just what always happens at this time of year with our cattle. They get some kind of disease and they die, right? No, this is happening and God sets a, a specific time so that they know it's not some disease that's, that's working its way through the livestock. This is an act of God so that the Egyptians would know that he is God. It would not be a natural occurrence that would affect all livestock, Egyptian and Israelite alike, this would be a supernatural disease on the Egyptian livestock that would not cross over to the Israelite livestock. How cool is that? God's power, His sovereignty. And God was on time. Aren't you glad? God kept His promise to bring the plague the next day. That's our third principle today, is that God keeps His promises. God did not make an, an idle promise that He would not uh, keep. He was not bluffing. He kept his promise to the Israelites on multiple occasions, didn't he? He rescued them from slavery. He brought them into the promised land. He sent them into captivity when they disobeyed his commands, decrees, and statutes. He restored them from captivity when they returned to him. He always had a king from the line of David on the throne, including Jesus. He sent Jesus to take our punishment for sin, and the list could just go on and on of how God has kept his promises to not only Israel, but to us. So we can trust him to keep his promises even today. When we follow his commands, decrees, and statutes, he will provide for us and bless us. When we choose to rebel against him, he will discipline us. When we confess our sins, he will forgive us and cleanse us because he is faithful and just, as John writes in 1 John 1, 9. He will save us, provide eternal or everlasting life, and allow us to become his children when we repent of our sins. We see that, all of those ideas in Romans 10, 9 and 10, and John 3, 16, and John 1, 12. So maybe you're ready to take this fourth next step today, and that's to rejoice in the fact that God always keeps his promises. Aren't you glad for that today? And God delivered on his distinction. All the Egyptian livestock died, but not one Israelite animal died. Most scholars agree that the word all here is hyperbole for most of the livestock. And again, it goes back to, it would make sense if we look at verse 3 and realize that only the livestock in the fields died. It was a significant number of livestock that the livestock that remained was insignificant. So there was this, it was pretty devastating. Stewart considers a, another secondary meaning of the Hebrew word for all, when he says this, it is due simply to the fact that the Hebrew word kol usually means all, can mean all sorts of, or from all over, or all over the place. In this verse, the better translation of the full expression would be all sorts of Egyptian livestock died, or Egyptian livestock died all over the place. <clears throat> Our second principle today is this, that God is able to be precise in his punishment. We talked about that. 
And I'm sure the Egyptian people realized that refusing to obey God's commands was costly. They lost a valuable asset that helped them in cultivating the land so that plants could grow. They also lost a valuable resource that provided meat and milk. But Pharaoh wanted to check up on God. Now, he knew that God had kept his promise because that next day all those animals died. But he wanted to check up on God and make sure that it wasn't affecting the Israelites like he had said. So Pharaoh had not forgotten God's words about making a distinction between his people and Pharaoh's people. So he sent men to investigate the livestock of the Israelites. Stewart says, if a similar situation was found in Goshen, the Israelite enclave, it would prove that the plague had been natural. He's trying to explain the supernatural with the natural. It's like, if it happened to the Israelites, then it was just something natural. It wasn't God. But what did he find there? Pharaoh did not want it to be true, but it was. Not one of the Israelite animals had died. And it just takes us back to our third principle today, that God keeps his promises. Even though Pharaoh verified that God had kept his promise to protect the Israelite livestock, his heart did not change. So our third point today is just cold-hearted. Pharaoh's heart was unyielding. He still refused to let the Israelites go. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14, we read these words, Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. That's true. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18 says this, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, um, that is in them, uh, die to the hardening of their hearts. Or should say do to the hardening of their hearts. So, as we kind of review this morning, I want to encourage you to keep being obedient to God and what He's asking you to do no matter how long it takes. And I want to encourage you to embrace God's dis- precise discipline in your life so that you c- He can accomplish His plan and purpose in your life. And who do you need to be praying for that's experiencing God's precise discipline today? And then I want to encourage you to rejoice in the fact that God always keeps His promises. You know, as a body of believers, we need to continue to be obedient to what God's asked us to do no matter how long it takes. And we need to embrace God's precise discipline of us so that He he can accomplish His plan for our church. We need to pray for those who are experiencing God's precise discipline. And we need to rejoice and the fact that God always keeps his promises. Dennis Miller writes this, Out of parental concern and a desire to teach our young son responsibility, we require him to phone home when he arrives at his friend's house a few blocks away. He began to forget, however, as he grew more confident in his ability to get there without disaster befalling him. The first time he forgot, I called to be sure he had arrived. <clears throat> he told me the next time, we told him the next time it happened, he would have to come home. A few days later, however, the telephone again lay silent, and I knew if he was going to learn, he would have to be punished. But I did not want to punish him. I went to the telephone, regretting that his great time would have, would have to be spoiled by his lack of contact with his father. As I dialed, I prayed for wisdom. Treat him like I treat you, the Lord seemed to say. With that, as the telephone rang one time, I hung up. A few seconds later, the phone rang, and it was my son. I'm here, Dad. What took you so long to call, I asked. We started playing, and I forgot. But, Dad, I heard the phone ring once, and I remembered. I'm glad you remembered, I said. 
have fun. How often do we think of God as one who waits to punish us when we step out of line? I wonder how often he rings just once, hoping we will phone home. God has been letting the phone ring once with Pharaoh, and he's been hanging up. He wants Pharaoh to know that he is the Lord. He's being gracious, merciful, and patient with Pharaoh. He wants Pharaoh to call him back. Has God let the phone ring once with you and hung up? Do you need to call him? So you will not have to experience the costly consequences of refusing to obey him? I want to encourage you to call home today so that you don't have to deal with uh, some kind of fiasco in your field, whatever that may be for you today. <laughs> it wouldn't be livestock. Maybe for some of you it might. But anyhow, you see, when we refuse to obey God's commands, it can be very costly for us. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I kind of want to avoid the consequences, the costly consequences of not being obedient to his commands. So I want to encourage you to be obedient to him today. As the ushers prepare to take up the tithes and offerings and the communication cards, as the worship team comes, would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we come into your presence once again with gratitude in our hearts because you are God Almighty. You are sovereign and all-powerful. You know exactly what we need, when we need it. Lord, today we, we need your strength to be able to obey your commands. I pray that you would provide that strength. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Thank you for your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand with us as we close our worship service this morning with the song, The Blessing.
He is for you. 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 He is for you.